All right, Ephesians chapter 4, and it's been a while since we've been in Ephesians, and, and uh, as we started chapter 4, which has been a few weeks ago, um, Paul was calling us to do something in the beginning of chapter 4, and that is that he was calling us to walk worthy of the calling by which we were called. Well, that's great, but what's the calling by which we were called, right? Well, the calling in context to what we've been looking at in Ephesians has been all about Paul building this whole theme that God has brought all people together as one, all believers in him, and forming now this new body. He called it the new man in Christ because understand what was going on in the early churches Gentiles were getting saved, being brought in, saying, oh, I've been brought in a relationship with God through Jesus. The Jews are watching this going, wait a second. No, we thought we had the corner on that. What are you talking about? Suddenly Paul's saying, no, there's a new work going on through Jesus. He's bringing us all together as one. And so if we're all being brought together as one, walk worthy of the calling with what you were called. Something that Paul tied into that was this. He says in chapter four, verse three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Keep the unity. Now here's what we need to understand when it comes to unity is this. Unity does not mean conformity. Within the church, you see, there's a great diversity. Individual roles are still important, but individual goals must always give way to the common goal and more so to Christ's goal for the church. So that's what we get to look at here this morning as we pick it up in verse 11. What is our role individually and what is our goal collectively? Now first, Paul begins by looking at some of those people that God has gifted and placed in certain offices to, you know, equip the church, to bless the church. And so these giftings are not exhaustive giftings, understand that. Throughout scripture, we see a list of other giftings uh, and very, you know, ministerial kind of giftings, giftings of, of ministry, giftings of helps and everything like that. We see a list, of, list of spiritual gifts in Romans 12, verse 3 to 8, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 to 11, uh, also verses 27 to 31. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse uh, 10 to 11 gives us a couple uh, giftings there. And then, of course, here in Ephesians, we've got not so much you know, individual giftings, but certain ways that God uses people and gifts people to, to minister to the church. So here's what we're going to look at as we break this down. We're going to see the giving of the gifts, verses 11 and 12, the goal of the gifts in verses 13 and 14, and then the growth from the gifts, verses 15 and 16. That's what we're going to look at here today. Look at verse 4 to 11 with me here. Not 4 to 11. Chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. It says this, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, uh, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, I want to draw your attention to something first here before we really break down who these people are, and that is this great word right here, that he himself gave Understand something here that we serve a God that loves to be a giving God. In other words, he loves to come alongside and bless you and pour into you and give to you. We saw that in, in chapter four in, in verse seven that grace was given. We saw in verse eight that he gave 
gifts to men there in verse 10 that he might fill all things God is a God that loves to pour in and give and bless and and that's not even looking at probably the most famous verse in all the Bible John three sixteen, that God saw the world that he what gave, gave his one and only son, right? So God is a God that loves to give and he's doing this right now, why? Because he wants to bless the church. And so he's given those that are gonna be helpful in equipping and blessing the church. So God is a very giving God, a loving God. And he demonstrates that love in action by what he does. And in this case here, he's giving those that are, are gonna be a blessing. So here's some things that God has given. He's given us the church, right? He's given us people that are to bless and strengthen the church. So we see, first and foremost, we see apostles here. Apostles are those that are sent for. I think you can break it down by simply saying they're, they're commissioned of God to go forth and, again, proclaim the, the word of God. An apostle is a specially commissioned ambassador for and of the the work of God. Jesus sent out his disciples to disciple others and proclaim the gospel, right? These disciples became the apostles. They were sent out. And then, of course, we see that there are prophets. Here's another role that God works through and uses in the early church, prophets that refer to those that spoke the word of God. Now, in Old Testament times, prophets oftentimes had, you know, a a ministry that had a predictive sense tied to it, that they were foretelling what was to come, foretelling God's word. But the basic idea is simply speaking forth God's word. And in the early church, prophets were called to speak God's truth as the written word of God was still being established. So prophets were very necessary and needed. John Stott said a prophet was a mouthpiece or spokesman of God, a vehicle of his direct revelation. Prophets were a mouthpiece or a spokesman of God, a vehicle of his direct revelation. Now, let me tell you something here, because apostles and prophets are mentioned um, elsewhere in, in verse, chapter 3, verse 5, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his Holy apostles and prophets, Paul's talking about that here in Ephesians. He mentioned it again another place in Ephesians. But the idea here is that these two offices were very important in the establishing of the church. They became that foundation for the church. In fact, we see that in Ephesians 2, verse 20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. See, when you build a house... How often do you need to lay the foundation? Just once. Just once. You don't come back 10 years down the road and go, you know what? Ah, I don't know if I really like this foundation. I'm going to redo this foundation. No, you basically are saying, I'm going to redo the house if I need to do the foundation. I mean, I know there's work that they can do miraculously now that they can do some repairs at the foundations, but you don't relay the foundation. The foundation is laid once. And you see, with the apostles and the prophets, they were the foundation now of the church, Jesus being the chief cornerstone. But that was necessary in this day when, again, they did not have the written word of God given. So apostles and prophets came as spokesmen of God, proclaiming the word of God to establish the church. Very instrumental, very important in this time. So having said that, 
I would say that these here now were ministries and giftings important for that day, but are not in use in this way today. And that's something that I know a lot of times people can debate over as believers, and, and you can have that debate if you like with me later, but uh, tomorrow, not later today, maybe tomorrow or something, but uh, tomorrow's my day off, maybe Tuesday, but... Um, <laughs> But you see, we can debate. People, like, they don't, no, I think, no, that's not. Here's the deal. There are giftings, prophetic giftings today. We see that in, in, in 1 Corinthians and, and in Romans, that there's, there's the giftings of, of prophecy where I believe people can speak forth the word of God. But we don't have people in the role or office today as apostle prophet. Now, you'll hear people that come along. They'll come in the church and say, I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet and what they mean by that ultimately is, I really have the highest authority here. Nobody can challenge me because I'm an apostle of God. Don't question me. Don't challenge me. My word is kind of final in a sense, right? But for us today, nah, this word is final right here. This is the word that we follow because in that day they didn't have this. We have the word of God now. We are the church that's been established and God's given gifted people, yes, to lead the church, but you're gonna see later on that it doesn't stay just with them. But you see, we have the written word of God. This becomes the final authority for us today. So somebody comes along and says, I have a prophetic word for you. I'm a prophet, you need to listen to me. I'm gonna say, well, you know what? Let me line that up with the word of God because if it goes contrary to the word of God, I'm gonna look at you as a false prophet and I'm not gonna listen to you. That's kind of the way, the way it goes today. Not to be harsh or, or rude or anything, but I, I just have real trouble when I see people trying to claim this role of apostle and by doing so, it's like, you need to listen to me. I've said it time and time again here in this church. You do not need to listen to me. You need to listen to the word of God. And God's called me to proclaim the word of God. But if I ever say anything that goes contrary to the word of God, then you need to question me. And you need to challenge me on that. Because I don't want to ever go against the word of God. So listen, I'm getting more than I want to get into that. But um, that's the, the, the way that this is in play. This was Paul's and Prophets for that day. And no doubt we have people that minister to some degree in these ways because I would look at apostles today as being missionaries. Missionaries are those that are called, sent out to proclaim the gospel to different places, different people. I think they function in the sense of apostles without having to claim, I'm an apostle and my word is final, right? Prophets. We have people that might speak words of prophecy, but that's not so much a foretelling, but a foretelling of God's word. It's communicating God's truth here for us. So let's, let's move on here now. We've got lots more to cover. We see next in our list, we've seen uh, apostles, all right? We've seen prophets. But now next, we see this next role that God works and uses is evangelists. These are those who speak, uh, again, the, the word of God, but they have a real gifting in just proclaiming the gospel. They have a real you know, supernatural, natural ability of just always bringing the conversation to Jesus Christ, pointing people to Jesus. There's, there's those that you know that you've spent time with that just have that real evangelistic heart where it's all about just lifting up, elevating Jesus and leading people to Jesus. I, I love people like that. I wanna be more of an evangelist. Just that wherever I'm at, I just can bring Jesus into the conversation. I pray to be doing that. I pray that you're doing that. This is not something I think we look at evangelists and go, well, that's for somebody else to do. I'm not, I'm not 
one of these gifted, you know, people here to be an event. I think we're all called to be salt and light in the world. And that means that we're to be proclaiming the gospel. We're to be sharing this truth with other people. But there are those that just, it, it just seems like it comes so easy to them. Hang out with those people. Get to know those people. Go spend time on one of their fishing trips as they're out sharing the good news with people and learn from them, grow in them. And I think Jesus, you know, he sent people two by two. I think there was just great strength and encouragement as they did. And as you go out with other people that maybe have that real heart of an evangelist, you're gonna learn and be blessed from that. But God has raised up evangelists. Why? To equip people and to, again, just bring the gospel into these things and keep it, about the gospel here. And then we see pastors and teachers. Now, that's oftentimes seen as two separate distinct offices, but in the original Greek, this is written out as like one office with two titles. Now, a pastor simply means a shepherd. A shepherd. And, and what is, how does a shepherd care for his flock? How does a shepherd bless it? Well, he's gonna make sure that the sheep are well fed, right? Primarily. No doubt he's there to protect the sheep from predators coming in, but primarily, if he wants to see sheep do well, he's gonna make sure they're being well nourished. And that's ultimately what a pastor is called to do, to feed the sheep, to care for the flock. Paul wrote to, or spoke to the Ephesian elders in, in Acts as he's passing by. He said, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And then Peter, in 1 Peter 5, uh, verses one to four, talks uh, to elders and pastors. He says that you're to shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Shepherd the flock of God. And Peter understood what that meant. Why? Because remember in John 21, Jesus gave Peter that kind of restorative uh, commissioning call when he said to Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep, Peter. Tend my lambs, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. That's what Peter understood was an important role for him as a overseer, pastor, shepherd, feed the flock. And how does a pastor feed the flock today? It's through the word of God. It's not coming up with nice sermons that you know, make you feel good, lots of great stories and things like that. It's through the word of God that you're gonna be nourished and fed and blessed as a, as a result of that. And it's sad to see how some churches seem to have just kind of gotten away from that, maybe thinking like, ah, oh, people, no, they don't just need the word of God. No, they need, and we need to make sure they're being entertained or, or people looking for good programs in the church. But the church is gonna be most effective when there's a steady diet of the word of God. The church is gonna be most grounded, established, and successful when the word of God is going out and in to the people of God. You see, again, this is not just so that we can walk around saying, well, look at how well I know the Bible. This is gonna cause you to grow in Jesus because this word is all about Jesus. It is the living word that brings us into a greater closeness with Jesus Christ. You see, studying the word of God is not just the end in itself. It is a means to an end. It's so that you might know Jesus more and live for him in a, in a greater way in this world to where you're gonna be 
again, fed, blessed, and strengthened as a result. Now, all of these offices, ultimately, where we see, again, apostles, we see prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, all of these offices here are ultimately linked to the word of God because that's what they were all to be doing, is to be communicating God's truth, God's word. And it's important that that is what remains central in our gathering times. So now what Paul lays out here, as he lays out these offices and giftings, right, it'd be very easy to sit back and think, well, all right, I mean, I guess I'm not an apostle or a prophet, not after you've kind of ruined that for me there, Brent. Uh, I don't think I'm an evangelist. That doesn't really seem to be my, you know, leaning pastor and teacher. No, thank you. No, I don't want that. No, that's not me. So what, I, I guess I just sit back then and do nothing and let all of those people take care of the work then. Listen, can you just take that thought, that is a very popular thought, and just give that a big elbow off the top rope because that is not a thought that we need to be thinking about here. That is not something we need to be holding on to because, listen, there is more to come here. This is where you all come in. Verse 12 says that all of these people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, are given, why? For the equipping of the saints. Do you see that, my friends? The equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. All of these people are given so that you might be equipped so that you can serve. So that you can grow, so that you can be strengthened, so that you can go and serve. I think too often we've looked at the church as just maybe a place to, you know, meet with others, socialize, be encouraged and be blessed, be thankful that somebody else is doing all the work and then go home and come back next Sunday. Instead of looking at what the purpose of the church, and verse 12 is essentially laying out for us the purpose of the church. If anybody asks you, what is the church all about? It's right here, verse 12. You just take them to one verse and go, this is what the church is to be doing. It's all right here. The purpose of the church is to equip the saints so they can go in and do the work of the ministry. Well, some of you might be going, well, that disqualifies me because I'm not a saint, thankfully. This is just for those elite people there. This is the ones that need to be equipped to do the work. I'm still kind of learning to be, I'm in the saint school. I'm still kind of, haven't graduated yet, right? Uh, hope, hopefully one day. And when I do, then I'll be, you know, ready to do the work of ministry. Listen, sorry. If you are a believer in Christ, you put your faith in Jesus, guess what? You're a saint. Have you understood that? You are sitting in a room of saints. If, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you put your faith in him, your trust in him for the forgiveness of sin, you are instantly a saint, which means you're set apart for Christ. I love what J. Vernon McGee says, you're either a saint or you ain't. And it all comes down to who you are in Christ. Not what you will be, but who you are. You're a saint. And so this is for the equipping of the saints. The pastor or elders is not called to do all the work. And how I love preaching this passage right here. Oh, I could preach this every Sunday, I think. Because it's so easy to go, well, we have a pastor. We have elders. They're doing the work. It's taken care of. And it's easy for me to go, no, no, it's okay. I'll take care of it. I'll do it. And yet I have to realize Man, that's not my role to do all the work. My role is to equip you to do the work. 
See, I can do it all, but then guess what? I'm the one that's going to get all the blessing. It's tempting. It's sometimes easier to go, yeah, Lord, no, I don't want to get those people to do that. I'll just do it, Lord. But you get to be a part of the fun and the blessing as you serve, as you do what God has called you to do as a church. I got to be careful that I don't take that away from you, but that I equip you and train you to say, go and do the work of the ministry. Encourage others, build others up. We all have a part to play in this. I think a great illustration of this is seen in that, in that sports analogy, which, you know, how many people are glad we got hockey back this weekend? All right, there we go. Excited we need to pray for those Canucks. Not off to a good start, but they'll come around, don't worry. And if you are not a Canucks fan, then, you know, we need to pray for you. We need to, we need to, it's like, I don't know if the unit, that's, that's an area where unity is really going to be challenged, I think. But we're going to pray for one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the peace. So just convert already. Be a Canucks fan. Okay, let's, let's say that. But anyways, I think, you know, the church can really be demonstrating a sports analogy when you watch a Canucks game, you see all the different pieces at play, all the different components. You know, you've got the coach, you've got the players, you've got the ref out on the ice, you've got, you know, the announcer calling the play, you've got, well, pre-COVID, you've got the spectators in the seats, right? And you see, there's a lot of people love to play those different roles. We've got a lot of people that like to come and not we. I mean, in general, I think you can find in the church people that like to be the ref. They like to call all the faults, all the fouls, all the things that aren't going the way that they think it should go, right? Blowing that whistle on you, right? It's not fun. You got people that like to be the announcers. They just like to kind of pass on all the stuff that's happening. Maybe gossip a little bit, you know? And Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Oh man, that was quite a play. I couldn't believe what happened. Oh my God, you guys. But, you know, we got to pray for them, right? That's, it's all we, we, just, we, we guise it in prayer, right? It's gossip, but it's like, uh, we should just, let me just, you got to pray for so-and-so. Oh, did you hear what they, you know, anyways. But, you know, so we got those people like the announcers. We got the refs out there. We, of course, have the spectators that like just to come and fill the seats and just enjoy their popcorn or hot dogs, you know, frosted malts, whatever it is, and just sit back and just consume without being involved. But then you got the coaches, right? And the coaches, I think, are what we see in verse 11. The coaches are those that are saying, listen, I want to I wanna teach you how to be successful. I need you guys to be scoring the goals. The coach might sit there and go, you guys are really sucking, man. I need to, I'm going to lace up. I'm going to get on that. I'm going to score the goals because I think I can do it way better than you can. It's easy for the coach to think that. I've, I've coached and I'm like, my goodness, there's times I've been challenged. I just want to get out on the floor. I mean, you know, even though they're a bunch of like, you know, third graders, I'm like, let me get out there. I fit in at least. I don't know if they'll know when I put a helmet on. They won't know. <laughs> um, I'll just go score the goal. It's easy. But that's not the role of the coach. The role of the coach is to equip the players to score the goals. And the players are all of you guys. You're to be in the game, my friends. Church is not a place just to come and just enjoy or be entertained. It's to be equipped to be involved in the game, to allow you to be successful as Christians. That's what this is all about here, my friends. It's a great image or example or, or analogy for us. Now, some of you here might not feel like you're equipped or, or have the ability to, to do those things. 
but God has gifted you to carry out that role that he has specifically called you to. With God's calling comes his enabling. He will gift you in these things, and that's ultimately what we're looking at here when Christ gave gifts. He wants to gift you to do that. Sometimes I think we can get a little worried if, if we think, well, if I make myself available and I step out to say, God, okay, use me, he's gonna call me to do something that I just am completely freaked out about. Like he might call me to lead worship. I'm like, I can't lead, I can't carry a tune or play an instrument. God's not gonna call you to lead worship if you can't sing or play an instrument or do that. Of course not. And if he does call you to do it, then he's gonna give you the, the giftings to do it. You don't have to fear stepping on saying, God, how do you want to use me? How can I get in the game? How can I be involved? Because what God is doing here is he's equipping the saints. He's preparing you. He's working in you. He's equipping you to do the work of ministry here. And what's the purpose of all this? It's so that, again, notice this, it's for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's all of us here. For the edifying of the body of Christ. That word edify means to build up. Build up. I think of guys that like to pump iron, right? They, they, they do so because they want to get built up, right? I think of Hans and Franz. Hans and Franz. You remember those guys? We're here to pump you up, right? You remember that? I know I'm dating myself. Please, who's with me on that? Anybody? Okay, thank you. Yeah, I know. And, and that's the idea. Now, these people that do all their weights, right? Which by saying so means I'm not one of them, right? But it's not enough, right? To just have a membership of a gym. Say, oh, I belong to so-and-so gym. I got a membership of a gold gym. That's right. Listen, that membership isn't gonna do anything for you in itself. You gotta go. But some people like to go to the gym and just you know, sit at the fruit smoothie bar, right? Just gonna chow down on a couple, you know, kale smoothies or whatever, and that's gonna certainly do something, I think. But that's not, you need to hit the equipment. You need to go start lifting stuff. You need to start jumping on the treadmill. You gotta start putting those things into practice. You need to start doing that work. See, I know many, I know many people that love to claim, oh yeah, I go to so-and-so church. Oh, I belong to that church. And you know, I, I've done this oftentimes, not because I'm trying to, you know, like corner them, but I just say, oh, who's the pastor? And it's funny because oftentimes I've gotten the response like, oh yeah, the pastor. Oh, who's the, the pastor? What's his name? Oh, it's, ah, what is his name? Oh my goodness. I'm like, and you belong to that church, right? It's like, what they mean by, oh, I go to so-and-so churches. Well, I typically go like at Easter, sometimes Christmas, but I haven't done that in a couple of years, but I'm hoping to go again this year. And you see, in other words, there are a lot of people who like to attach themselves to church, but they are not involved at all. In fact, rarely even going. If you don't know the pastor's name, I think that's a pretty good indicator that you're not spending much time there. And that's where a lot of people are at. But all this is for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, that as we get trained up, we get to come alongside and bless one another and encourage and build up one another here. So it's not enough just to be a member or just to attend. It's important that you're participating. That you're building up and building others, or you're being built up 
but you're building others up as well. That's the purpose of the church. That's God's design for you to be a healthy, maturing believer. And we're gonna get to that shortly here, but Paul goes on, man, I gotta, I gotta move along here. Paul goes on now to share some of the goals now of having gifts and have, of having gifted men and women and, and, and those serving in the body of Christ. So look at verse 13 here. The goal of the gifts, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here we see these goals of the church and of our coming together. So first of all, we see one of the goals is the unity of the faith. Again, this unity is based in our common faith and precisely faith in Jesus Christ. The only way that true unity comes is when we're all grounded in and living for Christ. Pastor Rob spoke a great word on this just the, the Sunday after Christmas about unity and how important it is that we maintain unity. But th that unity comes from our, our common faith being centered around Jesus Christ. And as we serve one another through our gifts, we're becoming unified together, understanding we're all part of this one body, each person having a part to play. So unity of the faith for one, and then also we see the knowledge of the Son of God. That's another goal of the gifts, that we might all come to the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, as we talked about the unity of the faith, it's easy to make that very academic, right, about our faith. It's about what we know intellectually. It's very easy to make it all about that. But what Paul is expressing here is that I want you not just to have a faith that you can, you know, recite scripture and, and say, well, I believe this and this and that. No, I'll, I want this faith to lead you into a greater understanding and knowledge or intimacy of Jesus Christ. That's the idea here of that word knowledge, the Greek word gnosis, meaning to know, which again, it's like an experiential knowledge. It's not just to come and learn and have it all up in your head. It's so that what you know will penetrate down into the heart where Christ makes his home in your heart to where you're walking in a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what Paul means by the knowledge of the Son of God. Jesus himself said in John 73, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's what Paul is getting at here. And then it's so that we might come to a perfect man. And I don't exclude anybody, so you know what that means. Woman, man, just all of us, right? Amen, a woman. No, I don't want to do that. But it, the idea, again, like, so we can all come to perfection. And you might look at that and go, whoa, hold on a second now. Now I'm a long ways from perfection. And if you don't feel it about yourself, I know you're thinking that about me, and it's true. I'm a long ways from perfection. But this idea is, is speaking of maturity, till you come to maturity so that you might be grown up. I pray as believers, we're not the same today as we were last year. I pray that in 2022, Lord willing, if we see it, <laughs> I pray that you're gonna be different then than you were today. In other words, that we're continuing to grow and mature. I think about my own kids when they were younger. How fun it was to sit them at the table in their high chair and when they began to learn how to kind of feed themselves. 
right? I mean, they'd be getting food like all over their face. They'd be running down their clothes. The, the plastic spoon would end up like, you know, stuck to the hair on their head. And they're just having a good time. And just laughing along going, man, this is so fun. It's so cute. But if that's the scene when my children are now, you know, 24, 21, you know, 18, and they're sitting at the table with food all over their face, all over the floor, you know, spoons on their, it's stuck to their hair. I'm like going, this is not fun any longer. This isn't, enjoy- I'm not, I'm not amused by this. Because, yeah, bad parenting, but it's bad children. It's bad children is what it is. Get out of here. Stop that heresy. But, the, the fact is that, that we should be seeing our, our children growing, maturing, being equipped to, you know, do these things. And yet, it's such a sad thing when you see people that have been maybe Christians for a long time or a part of the church for a long time that are still in spiritual infancy, right? You're like, can you turn to Philippians with me? And they're like, oh yeah, okay. They've been a Christian like 20 years and they're like still hitting the table of contents. Where's Philippians? It's like... That's, that's indicative of something there. Not growing. And it shouldn't be that way. It's so that we can all come to perfect man. Well, when, when do we reach maturity? Well, Paul says it right here. It's when we come to the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ. Well, when does that happen? When we see him face to face. That's when we are made perfect. That's when we come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. John, um, 1 John 3, verse two to three says, Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. When we see Jesus face to face, we're, we're gonna be changed. And we're gonna be perfect. In other words, on this side of eternity, we continually have room to grow. We continually desire to keep progressing in our walk, in our relationship with the Lord, in our, in our serving the Lord, not, and, and again, this whole area of serving is not about salvation. It's, we do it because we are saved, but we keep wanting to grow and mature and draw closer to Christ to which there'll always be room this side of eternity to do so. Keep growing, keep being equipped, my friends, Keep equipping others and edifying others. That, and Paul makes it clear in verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Here's the danger. And notice what he says, so we would no longer be children. Expects us to be growing. Mature so that we can withstand the, the storms the difficulties that come against us so that we're not quick to follow after deceptive lies or untruths that are not in the word of God. If you're not growing in the word of God and maturing, then you're gonna be that much more susceptible to just be swept up. Just like a boat when a storm comes and those waves can just begin to drive that boat, you're gonna be swept up in those storms, in those challenges of life. We should be those who know the difference between what is true, what is untrue. And even when trouble comes, it's sad when, when you see Christians that are not strong in their faith. When challenges come, they begin to question God. Go, wait, God, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, I'm following you. Shouldn't I be exempt from these things? Instead of understanding, Lord, 
I, I lean upon you. I know that you are gonna be faithful. I know that you're gonna take me through the storm. I know that you are gonna be good and on the other side, I'm gonna see that you have accomplished good out of all these things. God, I depend on you. That's the mature stance. That's the established Christian's stance. And that's what Paul wants us to be here. That's what Paul is leading us to do. Maturity produces stability, my friends. We gotta wrap this up, verse 15 and 16. We've seen uh, the the gifts that God has given. We've seen the, the goals of the gifts and now we see the growth from the gifts. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. From whom the whole body, joining it together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So those of us who are mature, maybe more mature, we need to help those that are perhaps less grown up, maybe those that are, are, are coming into the faith that are, are very new. And we need to help them that when they're following after wrong things, lame things, distracting or damaging things, we need to speak the truth to them. But we do so how? In love. We don't come condemningly. We don't come angrily. We come in love. But we speak the truth. We don't mask the truth. We speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth, speaking truth without love is, is going to be very brutal, hurtful. But speaking love without truth can be very hypocritical. We'll get to that in a second. But speaking the truth in love is so important because you can speak truth and feel good. Like, listen, I'm just, you hear people, listen, just giving you the truth, man. And they're doing so in a very harsh way. It's like somebody maybe with bad breath, right? Say, listen, my garbage today had a better aroma than what's coming out of your mouth today. That might be true, but it's not loving. It's not helpful. It's not encouraging. There's better ways to do that. I mean, I'm glad we have masks these days for that purpose alone, I guess. That's helpful. Maybe just say, hey, maybe just wear a mask. I don't know. But that's not the point, really, about this at all. I'm, I'm drifting. It's getting late, but... The point is, is that we speak truth in love. That we find a way that we can deliver what is right and true, but in a loving way they're going to receive it. But then there are those that go, oh man, I just want to be loving. And you hear that in the church. Listen, we just want to be loving. And oftentimes, truth gets compromised because of just simply wanting to be loving. And love without truth is very hypocritical because we're not telling people what is hurtful or what is, is damaging and, and how they can turn from that. We need to speak the truth in love. That we can be growing up into Christ and become more like Christ. He's the head of the church. Paul says he's the one that we follow and desire to exemplify. But Jesus is not only the goal of growth, he is the very source of growth. As verse 16 says, because from whom, Jesus, the whole body joined and knit together. Do you see that there? The whole body, from whom? That's speaking of Christ, right? You can't read that, but I'm gonna write that in there. Christ is from whom? The whole body is joined and knit together. He's the very source by which we're going to grow. But notice here, and I love this, as by which every part, every part does its share. That's all of you. We all have a part to play in this. In a very real sense, the body causes growth of the body. Of the body. It's a 
paradoxical statement. The very body causes growth of the body. And what is the, the byproduct? Is that you get built up, we get built up in love. Edifying of itself in love right there. And we see it there, speak the truth in love. Love begins to be that blood flow of the body by which it carries everything through, keeps everything just kind of flowing right. Let it be love that is so paramount here as we seek to elevate Christ, as we seek to say, Lord, get me in the game. Get me a part of this that I might not just be being equipped, but that I might edify and build up others around me. That we all, as the collective church, can see God doing a great work that encourages, blesses, and strengthens one another, all centered around the word of God and Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Y'all with me? Everybody's gonna be back next Sunday. You're not like gonna be afraid now to come back? Okay, hopefully. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ or you're watching online, maybe live or at another time, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this has all been kind of like, well, this sounds interesting. How do I get to be a part of this church or the body of Christ? Listen, it's simply through faith in Jesus Christ. It's recognizing your sin and your sin is what kept you out of a relationship with God. He created you to walk in fellowship with him, but sin marred all that. It separated us from God, but Jesus came to be the perfect man, fully God yet fully man, who died on a cross to forgive you of your sin, to pay the penalty for your sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus died, he rose again to secure life for you. And if you're here today or you're watching online and you don't know that life, you don't know where you're gonna go when you die, you can know today emphatically that when you die, you can go to heaven and be with Jesus forever because he's come to give you eternal life and it's found only in him. It's found through your faith in him. And so if you don't know Jesus today, I encourage you, give your life to Jesus. Simply acknowledge your sin, and your need for forgiveness and give it to Jesus and ask him to come and be your Lord and Savior and he'll do that work and you get to be a part of the family God. Eternal life is yours. And if you ask that today, would you email us at the church and let us know? And if you're here today and you need to know that as a reality in your life, would you come and talk to me after the service? Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today, for your word that we get to learn and grow and that we get to come and be equipped together. God, I'm I'm equipping the saints, but I know I'm being equipped too for your work and, and we're all in this together and so I pray that you would do that work in this church here and just bless one another that we might be built up, edified, that we might go out and do the work of ministry, Lord. Make that apparent and clear to us what that is and may we continue to be active members of your church serving the body of Christ and blessing and worshiping you as we do. So we pray this in your name, Jesus, amen.